0: warm welcome to you all hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program
1: It's the Real Britannia podcast, the very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. It's a Hammer episode, Hammer Britannia. So with me is Mark and
0: Stephen. Good morning, boys. Good morning. Morning.
1: Morning. Bit of a anomaly, this one. We thought we were getting into full swing gothic hammer, and then this throws a spanner in the works.
2: Yeah, oh, for sure. It's not a bad thing, but yes, it does divert off a path. Yeah. We thought we were on. Yeah. The yes. Reason
1: reason being, it was filmed literally weeks after um, the Curse of Frankenstein, and they were both released in the same year. So they're sort of committed to this. They thought, you know, the path was going to be the the Quatermass type Nigel Neal sort of stories, but then they realised they were onto a winner with the Universal stuff. So I quite enjoy this one. Um, ...to be honest... it's ...because it is just a little bit different... ...it's not what you expect... ...for those of you that haven't guessed... ...here's the trailer... ...it's The Abominable Snowman... In
3: 1954...
1: ...the Daily Mail backed an expedition... ...for a seven strong party of explorers intent on solving the mystery of the legendary abominable snowman. The scientists and technicians, along with their Sherpa guide, spent 16 weeks in Tibet, following a trail from Kathmandu to Namche Bazaar. Along the way, they found footprints 9 inches long and 5 inches wide in mountainous terrain 15 miles short of Everest. Yeti fever bad gripped the country, and Quatermass creator Nigel Neal, always one to be intrigued by such matters, wrote The Creature. A television play broadcast by the BBC on Sunday the 30th of January 1955, starring Peter Cushing and Stanley Baker. And like all previous Neil productions, it attracted a huge audience. On the 2nd of November 1956, Hammer bought the rights to produce a film based on Neil's story, soon capitalising on the publicity that had been generated by a follow-up expedition. Pre-production began under the title The Snow Creature, and an announcement was made that this would be Hammer's first movie of the new year. At this particular moment in time, the company's horror image hadn't quite yet been established as The Curse of Frankenstein was still in post-production. Val Guest didn't need much encouragement to come on board as director. Peter Cushing, Wolf Morris and Arnold Marl all reprised their television roles with Stanley Baker being replaced by Forrest Tucker. The Abominable Snowman was to be Hammer's final cooperation with Robert Lippert, but in its usual customary exchange, his company received the distribution rights for the US market. For 10 days, in 1957, a small crew filmed on location in the Pyrenees, creating establishing footage and using a team of doubles for the actors. This footage was then matched by production designer Bernard Robinson, who then created matching snowscapes at Pinewood Studios before three weeks of filming began at Bray on the 28th of January. As usual, the impressive sets are absolutely remarkable here, and eagle-eyed viewers may notice that the Tibetan monastery would be reused several years later for the Fu Manchu movies starring Christopher Lee. The final two weeks were spent filming on the newly built snowscapes at Pinewood, with filming eventually wrapping in February. As a side note here, as the film was in its final few days of post-production, the studio's original founder, William Hammer, died on the 1st of June in a cycling accident at the age of 66. The movie went on general release on the ABC circuit on August the 26th, double billed bizarrely with the Mamie Van Doren feature, Untamed Youth. At the beginning, it appeared that the film really didn't click with the critics or the audiences, both of whom found it too tame. Remarkable, really, when you consider that the initial reaction to Curse of the Frankenstein a few months earlier was that it was too explicit. But within a few weeks, there appeared to be a shift in attitude, with the Evening Standard declaring it's among the best of British science fiction thrillers. And Variety declared there's no denying the power of Nigel Neal's concept and the small cast is excellent. Generally underplaying their roles, it all adds up to one of Hammer's best and should be high on anyone's list of great science fiction films.
0: A small band of men on a perilous search for the man-beast of Tibet. The abominable snowman of the Himalayas. You've heard of him, haven't you? The world's most shocking monster. No one's ever lived who's seen him. Be on your guard. He's coming to this theater. The abominable snowman dares you. We dare you. Dare you to see the abominable snowman of the Himalayas. What
3: did it look like? Tell me, what did
0: you
3: see, Kusang? Tell me. I see, I see what, what men must not see. They're after me. They know it was me that did it last night. They're after me. after all of us. They just
1: killed McNeil. Oh, I What? That. It was an accident. It's me next. They know it was me.
2: Stay here. Ed, Wait. Ed, I can hear you. I'm coming. You've got to understand. That isn't Shelley. It isn't anybody. I can hear his voice. It's in your own mind. It's just yeah. happened to me too.
0: Warning, only those with stout nerves and strong hearts should risk seeing the abominable snowman of the Himalayas.
1: Okay, the synopsis, I'm going to be very careful here because the synopsis I've just found in this wonderful Hammer history book that I found online actually gives spoilers. So I'm going to have to sort of cut this short. So here we go. Botanist John Rollison is persuaded to join a Himalayan expedition in search of the Yeti or the Abominable Snowman by American showman Tom Friend. Friend's motives are less than scientific. He intends to capture a Yeti and put it on display to a paying public. Eventually, a creature is shot and the party makes plans to transport it back to base, but the other expedition members are killed in mysterious circumstances. That's where I'm going to stop it, because it actually gives away the ending if I was to carry on. Usual sort of question, guys. Have we seen this before?
0: I've seen it before, but I have very little memory of it. Um, But Yeah, I had seen it before, but, you know, as far as I was concerned, it was my first watch. Yep, Stephen?
2: No. Never seen it before. That's that's Uh, interesting. I had seen... Some stills from it I've seen before that, but, but no recollection I've ever seen at all.
1: Yeah, interesting because as I say it is a little bit of an anomaly as we're watching these chronologically, so it'll be interesting to see what you think of this one. For me, Mark, I think this was in part of the, the horror double bills. I first saw it on a Saturday or Friday night. On BBC Two, it was certainly.
0: Oh, not, wow! I don't remember it. Yeah. I used to watch all of those, so I don't remember this one. Yeah, at it, all. Was, it was, or it was in that
1: no. slot, you know, after Match of the Day or something. They may have put it oh, on. Oh, it re- could have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching it late night at a weekend, absolutely loved it. I was fairly young, I was like early teens, I think, when I first saw it. And looking back on Letterboxd, I only watched it again about three years ago, and again, I have no recollection of that watch, but um, yeah, um, I sat down. I think it was bright and early yesterday morning because I had a day off yesterday and I watched it about 8 o'clock in the morning. Bizarre time to be watching a horror film, but it it seemed to work. I just want people's general impressions. Can we go to Stephen first with the first time watch, mate? Because how did this sit with you? What what did you think of it?
2: Well, I enjoyed it. You did? Um, I didn't quite know what to expect to be perfect. Because obviously you coming in as a Hammer film, particularly in the early stages of, of Hammer... Um, that have started dipping the toe into horror. Where was this going to sit? And I think this is a, a definitely sits between the the Quatermass things with sort of not necessarily science fiction as such, but the um, the creature mm-hmm. um, being there and that being the the element, and it looking at how man and Scientific approach and then the you know the the more brutish approach of, of humanity and that kind of mixture of looking at what humanity is and who the real beast is kind of thing mm. um, that is is where it sits more than it being fully fledged hammer horror. Yeah. Um, I think in some ways it's a bit more of a of a thriller or, or a suspense rather than it being a, a full blown horror in, in in normal terms. Mm. So. Um, And I think, you know, you can maybe try to see that there's some parallels with the whole Frankenstein thing with regard to to not actually creating the monster physically, but certainly um, the idea of a monster being created, even though that's not um, what was going on. So it was more cerebral than, than I would have originally credited it for before I started watching it, which I think enhanced it. Yeah, um, so it was, there's a cleverness there and a, and a subtlety in some ways. And the performances you, you normally expect a certain amount of ham from Hammer um, mm-hmm. in the performances. And although it wasn't without that, I think that the it balanced out well where there was subtlety. Because I think Peter Cushing is excellent in this, as
1: always. As always. It's not playing yeah. for scares, is it? This one, really? Yeah, no. yeah, that's I think that's the point you're making there. about you, Mark, being a, a massive Nigel
0: Neal fan, you know? Yeah, I. I found this a little disappointing because Mm. I I felt like when I was watching this, this feels like it's got Nigel New in it, but someone's watered it down. But when you look (laughs) at it, he wrote the screenplay. So there's none of that. Uh, It's him. It's him straight on. Um, And I suspect I don't know, but it was based on a TV play. I suspect that TV play was probably more wordy and explored some of the issues quite a bit more. The, uh you know that were being raised about humanity and yeah. the, the nature of things. To me, it felt a bit like a, just a, a boy's own adventure. That's kind of how it was. It was, uh, it was well acted. Uh, it was uh, there was a little melodrama, especially around the sort of snow madness kind of elements of yeah. it. Uh, but um, it, it was pretty solid, and I felt very much it was in the same mould as Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, very I feel similar it was yeah influence and even th- to the fact that his wife helen uh, looked a bit like julia adams from <laughs> the from like the go um uh, there was a bit that uh, interesting because when I first saw her, she reminds me of someone, and then I realised it was um Perry from Dot Two, you know Nicola Bryant, she's the actress. And then it was like, ah, she's a bit like Julia Adams, which then made me realise, ah, this is kind of like the creature from Black <laughs> Lagoon in, in, with with Snow, right? Absolutely, um,
1: yeah.
0: So, so there was a bit of that where where there was a, li- I mean, the, obviously the Yeti if one exists it's more hominid than like fish man right so uh, yeah i enjoyed it i thought the acting was really good i really like forrest tucker and peter Cushing. um in this i thought they gave i mean they, they were the main characters really there yes. were there were other people but I, I thought the the acting was pretty good i thought the actual um you know the look of it the snow uh, you know and and the hearts and the buildings mm-hmm. were all pretty solid. The only thing that really annoyed me is there was one scene when they keep coming in and out of a hut and they just leave the door open. You know <laughs> in a freezing environment, they just leave the keep leaving the door open. You know like, it'd be cold there. Yeah, that's the Yeah, do me a favour, <laughs> you would not leave a door open yeah.
1: there. <laughs> Talking about the cast there, you saying like Forrest Tucker well, Forest Tucker was best known for westerns, really, you know, he yeah. in a couple of drop Wayne's. Yeah. Lovely to see one of my favourite character actors of all time, Richard Wattis. In this. Yes. Mm. Yes. Playing it's Foxy. Playing Foxy? playing Richard Wattis. Basically, he oh, always yeah. plays yeah. that same character. And you know, they're in the middle of the Himalayas, and he's wearing a suit.
0: Uh, I did. I was expecting Tony Hancock to turn up a few times,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's he's in a suit with a cricket jumper underneath it. How typically British, you know? And he doesn't like the tea. Doesn't like the Tibetan tea, you know. <laughs> so we've got an element of that. You mentioned Doctor Who. We always squeeze a Doctor Who reference in it. There's an actor in this whose name I can't remember... Who actually appears in the Abominable Snowman episode with Patrick
0: yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I would wanted to say that this—I mean, I watched that not long ago. I'm working through the Doctor's. I'm yeah. in the P- Perth area, but I era but I mm. watched the who in the Yet. It's about four, or five months ago, yeah. and it was like, wow, that is re- was really riffing on this movie. Exactly,
1: it is very similar. The whole thing with, well, this is a thing about this as well—the telepathy. Um, did you sort of get that towards the end, you know, where the, there's this telepathic link or the, the the Yeti are influencing the expedition because they're making them hear voices of the dead comrade or whatever.
0: Uh, and also they kind of inf- infuse peace
2: and, you know, mm, all this kind of yeah, stuff. Right? Yeah, this, picking yeah. up on the intention of the people, the ones that are having violent intentions, whereas, you know, those that have just curiosity... Yeah. and they, they treat them differently and there's a different outcome for them um, as well. Exactly, yeah.
1: So. It's something that I would really sort of like brushed over when I'd watched this previously, but I really picked up on that element this time round. We've got Robert Brown, who plays Shelley. He's got an American accent, best known as the Minister out of the James Bond movies. I was
0: going to say, that's him, is yeah. With hair, yeah. Or M later. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was yeah, actually, yeah,
1: took over, didn't he? Yeah. There's a very familiar face, Anthony Chin, who plays Major Domo. Yeah, yeah. now you look at him, you think, that bloke is in everything, and I had a quick look at the filmography he was in about four Bond movies, certainly three of the Sean Connerys and then he was in View to a Kill a couple of the Pink Panthers always playing like Chinese Assassin or something like that, you know Raiders of the Lost
0: uh, Ark. I couldn't figure out where I'd seen him. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. Raiders of the Lost Ark again in the. Bit uh, in Tibet. I was going
0: to come back to Raiders of the Lost Ark because mm. I was, I was going to say that the the Tibetan kind of drinking den. There you go. In of the Ark really reminiscent of the sets in this, yep. wasn't it?
1: And the sets will be quite familiar in later movies because they were reused in the Fu Manchu series with Christopher Lee.
0: Uh, Ah, So That wasn't Hammer, though, was it? It wasn't
1: Hammer, but look out for that next time you watch them because they, like, reused the sets. And apparently, because they wanted something on a slightly bigger scale... All right, this is brilliant. We get on-location shooting, don't we, which is filmed in the Pyrenees, but then that isn't the actors, they're doubles, right? But when they wanted to create all these different sets because they didn't want the same background all the time, they didn't want it to look too stagey, they couldn't film it at Bray. They had to film this at Pinewood. All oh, right. Yeah, so it was filmed at Pinewood because they had the bigger sets. And did you notice at the beginning, at the credits, it says filmed in Hammerscope. Yes. Or Hammervision or
0: something. What's was Hammerscope?
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is a widescreen. I think it's Delta Scope. I think is the the actual official you know name of it. But they renamed it Hammerscope. You know, I don't nice. think it's ever used again. But yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, this is about the third time I've seen it first time I watched it as a kid, I was expecting it to be a full-blown horror, and I was really surprised at how wordy it is, which I think is possibly sort of like the hangover from the TV version, because I can imagine, like, Nigel Neil wrote the TV version, didn't he? It was 90 minutes long, it's the same length. The llama is back, the same actor. Peter Cushion is back, playing the same character. But the only difference is uh, Forrest Tucker in the TV version was played by Stanley Baker.
0: Mm. Which yeah. would have been amazing.
3: I would have thought Actually. if it was in
1: this, it would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? Can you imagine Stanley Baker and Peter Cushing in a movie together? Well, they they have appeared in a couple together, but like in this, as, as you know, close sort of adversaries almost.
2: I mean, I'm you know, not going to knock the performance because I think the the extremity of the difference between um, the the two characters was, you know, when it comes to the performance that was was put in by Forrest Tucker was more brash American. It did provide a lot more of a contrast, but Certainly, you know, would like to have, have seen what the original was. And I don't think there's any any chance of ever seeing the original, no. obviously, because uh, it's footage that's, that's lost. But that, I think, would have provided um, entertainment seeing, seeing that because they're both putting such fine performances in.
1: Absolutely. And are we right to include this? As as part of what we're doing with Hammer Films, I, I'm going to say we are. We had to include yeah. this rather than leap straight to Dracula.
0: Yeah. Well, it's 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 optional, in it. Mm. Uh, in my opinion, it's, it's kind of not because it's not quite horror uh yeah, for that reason uh, though it's mm. unusual uh i didn't include it in my own hammer yeah uh, i'm still going through my own hammer stuff on my podcast mm. i didn't include it because i ju- it just felt not not quite um, also oh, i really wanted to get onto the gothic stuff <laughs> that, that was yeah, the other just reason go straight to but i've yeah. no problem with this i can kind of see why hammer snapped it up because he's nigel neil they had you know. They done well with Nigel Neal, yeah. uh, and they thought, right, he's having this. We're going to buy this. We're going to put it on. It felt quite different from the other Hammer Productions. I know it was Val Guest, um, yeah. but it felt quite different from Quatermass. And I felt they they realised they needed to put put their uh, their money on Terence Fisher rather than Val Guest. I yeah. think for that for their work, for going forward. Exactly. Um, yeah.
2: So yeah, I think it is included. I mean, I don't know. They're not getting any violent disagreement on that but you know i do think it's transitionary from what we had with quatermass in in a number of ways i know there was a bit more of a horror element to some bits of of the quatermass films but i still think there's a link either side of this particularly with with frankenstein and and quatermass i think this is this sort of sits and as a, a a reference point to both both sides um, not just because of the people involved in it I'm perfectly happy for this to sit in um, the run of what we're, we're doing with sort of the parameters that we decided on to start off with Quatermass as the very start of it all for the Hammer stuff. It'd be out of place, I think, to skip over this without at least acknowledging in some way it, it exists and it does have a part to play. Yeah, uh, cause I think it did lead on to some other bits and pieces, like they said, that, that the creature features that were a bit more, Um, expanded upon.
0: Also, this is interesting because I think this is the last time they bring in a a male American actor to be able to sell it to the uh, international, you know, the American audience—they kind of got confidence enough not to even bother with that for for quite a lot of their films. They just went, you know, we can sell anyway. We don't need an American in the cast. But there's the occasional hammer where there is an American actor, uh, actress, I should say. Yeah. Rack- Rack- Welsh in Million Years B.C.* is the <laughs> obvious one. But uh, there's also a film called *The Witches* with—I can't remember. A, a, oh, what's her name? But she's an American actress, uh, an older lady. But it was it was well cast film, but mostly after this they're reverting to British actors uh, to sell the product right? it's kind of interesting
1: I think it's the last time we see this type of movie as you say because of the success of Curse of Frankenstein also this year they're going to replicate that formula aren't they That they have realized they they're onto a winner and they don't need Brian Donlevy or Forrest Tucker you know anymore like you say to get that American audience because the American audience instantly pick up on the gothic side of things and, and it doesn't need an American star to sell it as I say, this is the last time for quite a while we see anything of this nature, you know, because quite Mass in the Pit is not till late 60s, isn't it, Mark 67 or something like that, before that comes along?
0: Well, quite Mass in the Pit doesn't have any American actors. No, but I mean, mean? This, this sort of style of, you know, the scientific type, Oh, oh you know? no, no, there are some others, but yeah. they are more, there's one called The Damned, or these are The Damned, that's an amazing film. Is that the one of the kids in the basement? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Looking forward to that one because I don't think I've actually seen that. Um, uh, and there's a few others. I, I mean, Hammer kind of carried on doing thrillers as well as horrors, but their thrillers are much more low key. Uh, but and they're they're okay, you know. There's um, a couple of war films as
1: well, isn't there? Sort of tucked in there. Um, is it Camp on Blood Island? comedy, you know. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Wait till we get to the On the Buses movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I love yeah, My
0: Neighbor too, right? There's all of this.
1: Think... Man About the House definitely was one of them as well. I think it's time we actually got our bingo cards. It's time for Bob's Full House of Horror. guys this is uh, our vain attempt, desperate attempt some might say, injecting a little bit of something different into the podcast. We've got bingo cards as you know and they are available on the Facebook group if you wanted to download and play along. Uh, By my reckoning uh, Mark has got card number one this week, I've got card number two, Stephen has got card number three. So, Mark, if you'd like to read out what's on your bingo card, we will yeah, work out whether I, we can get you some points, my friend.
0: Okay, I'm I'm lacking, aren't I as well? That, uh, I'll give the you the thing. score
1: so far. Actually, before you do that, then Mark, you're on ten points so far. I'm on thirteen. Stephen's in the lead with sixteen as it stands at the moment. So, oh, uh,
0: so if I get all eight, I can go into the lead. Let's right? see if we can. Let's see if we can <laughs> uh, actually rig it for though. you. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay, I've got Pitchfork Villager. Uh, we have restless natives, but we don't have peaceful villages. Crazy, crazy dancing monks we have in this one. Yeah, that was good.
2: Yeah, I like that.
0: <laughs> For some uh, reason, I missed that off the cards.
2: You know, it must be came to mind.
0: Yeah, uh, Michael Ripper, no, yeah. no, he's definitely not in this. Uh, unfortunately,
2: yeah.
0: uh, mad scientist, no. There's a there's an over um sort of businessman, but no mad scientist. Yeah. Uh, oh no, hold on. Doesn't what? one of them go mad? I've just remembered. But was he a scientist? I can't remember.
1: Oh, was he one of Friends' crew, or was he one of Cushions? Uh, no, yeah. He was a photographer, wasn't he? No, yeah. he was a photographer.
0: Oh, I was close. We got the mad, but not the scientist. I don't think we're uh, gonna have
1: a lot of luck in these cards this week. No, no, not this week, now <laughs> no
0: spooky glow. Uh, I can't remember anything. Um... Uh, I mean, the, some of the hazy black and white looked a bit glowy, but no, yeah, not really. You got like no.
1: glow from campfires and
0: things like that. I uh, well, this is a black and white film, so my next one is like blood red eyes. So, I certainly had a big close up of some <laughs> eyes towards the uh, end. Eyes were quite important. Yeah. It was an important scene where eyes were significant, but yeah. again, not blood red. Okay. Uh, and I don't think you could even say, well, if it's in color, there might be. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, good blonde, Brad brunette. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Forrest, they're both blondes, aren't they? Forrest Tucker. <laughs> uh, you are Christ. clutching at straws this oh. week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no bad brunettes anyway. No. So, yeah. Himbo. Go on. We gonna... uh, Richard Wise, right? That's the ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Um, and Barbara Shelley, no, she's not in it oh. either. So there's a big fat duck egg for me. You
1: have scored a duck there, my friend, unfortunately.
0: Has right. We have
2: not before. I don't think we've we haven't had now. a
0: zero yet. No, we haven't. Um, latest... So, in my own way, I feel a winner.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You're a winner in our hearts, mate. I think the yeah. lowest score... If it was an episode of Pointless, you'd
1: have won. <laughs> <laughs> OK, I've got card two, so I'll go next, mate. OK, I've got Spooky Coachman. We've got no chance of any transport in this movie whatsoever. There's not even a yak in this film, no. so you forget it. No, yeah. Barbara Shelley's my next one. Again, we've decided she's not in it. What have I got here? Mystery Monster. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Got to say be, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, that has yeah. got to be. Yeah, uh, so I'll get a point for that. Definitely no bats on strings. Yeah. No, and I think we don't have a James Bernard score in this one, do we? No,
0: it sounded very James Bernard, yeah. but it wasn't. It was Don something. Wasn't yeah, it?
1: that's always a given, isn't it? You're always on for a point if you've got this one, but in this particular case, no. Okay, okay, we've got himbo again, which we said no. Inventive crucifix. Much as we'd like Peter Cushing to have started doing something... Uh, no, <laughs> closest yeah. we
0: got was A Broken Trap.
1: That was about it. <laughs> that right? was it. And Transformed Terror. Nah, nah, yeah. there's none of that. This is very yeah. sparse this week. I've got a point then by the look of it from my efforts.
2: Stephen, card number three. Right, well, I've got um, Plunging Cleavage. Too Cold. Sadly not, no. um, Peter Cushing was too cold to get him out. Shrinking
0: parts, possibly. (laughs)
2: um, Peter Cushing kept his chest uh, disguised in this one because of the cold. Uh, Deformed assistant, no, sadly not. Uh, And we'll we'll assume that um, Michael Ripper wasn't hiding in the snow. No thunder and lightning. Uh, We've established that the spooky glow wasn't. Wasn't something there either. Yep. Uh, despite Mark's valiant attempt, we didn't quite manage to get round the good blonde, bad brunette. Um sadly. Um however mm-hmm. I've also got Mystery Monster. Excellent. Which is uh no,
0: I feel like I've been uh, I'm on I'm on offer here, right? <laughs>
2: hey, if only we were that clever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, That's what so, makes me realise I'm not on offer. I'm not being set up. Again. Yeah, because you've met
2: <laughs> well, you've met Scott and you have known me on podcast now. <laughs> and then finally James Bernard's score, which unfortunately no, um despite it sounding like it is, it isn't. Oh, yeah, just the one point just for me as well. One which point. Um, I suppose keeps me in the lead, but certainly um oh, you know, that puts you on doesn't...
1: seventeen. I've gone up to 14 and Mark stays where he is at 10. Yeah, yeah. These mm. cards are really going to kick in as we get to the sort of the Draculas and the Frankensteins and that stuff, aren't we? Because there's a lot of real sort of tropes that are going to be familiar in the next few movies. Yeah. All right, so by my reckoning, guys, next week or next time, Stephen's on card two, Mark's on three, and I'll take card number one. So you've just reminded me of something. We were talking about the Monks... Dancing and their crazy, you know, <laughs> chanting and stuff like that. They actually brought in real life monks from a London monastery, apparently, to teach them how to chant accurately. But the majority of the extras, the monks, I'm assuming, and the, you know, all the guys in the monastery, were recruited. They were waiters in Chinese restaurants in London. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, I mean, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, they had a bit of uh, yellow face, didn't they? The the old the abbot or whatever it yeah. is called in, in Buddhist tradition. Yeah. The Lama. Sorry, the, the Lama. Lama. Yeah, he was, um, he was
1: brought over from the original TV production as well. Yeah, he was, he's there, gel- he
0: was good, though. And he reminded me, I mean, uh, the Lama they used in the Doctor Who and the Yetis yep. was really similar looking. Yep. Uh, and I thought, was that the same bloke? But it wasn't. But they, they kind of made him look quite similar.
1: And, um, and Planet of the Spiders as well. If you haven't, you haven't uh, got to that yet, have you? Still on the purple. No, nah, I'm not you? on yeah. that. I'm,
0: uh, I'm a few series away from that mm,
1: one. OK. Another regular feature of the Hammer Britannia is not only the Village Hall of Fame, but we've also got the Crypt of Fame. Stephen, what order would you like to do these, my friend?
2: Uh, well, i uh, happy to do the, the Crypt first, and then we, you know, we work out how... Uh, many of the hammers they've been in, and then we can uh, can explain how many other films they've been in on top of that.
1: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's the crypt of. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's the crypt of horror. No, what is it? <laughs> it's the crypt of fame, isn't it? We've just said it four times. It's the crypt of fame. <laughs>
2: Obviously there's a very sparse cast here if you don't mm. include all the, the extras that don't have speaking parts that are, are not listed. Yeah, I think there's, what, 10 people listed in the cast or, or something like that, yeah, so uh, it is very, very light. Now as far as the repeat appearances, when it comes down to what we have for the hammer, yep. um, obviously Peter Cushing is making his second hammer appearance, which is lovely of him to do so, make that appearance. However, he's not making the, the most repeat appearances when it comes to hammer. Yeah. Um, obviously we've got Val Guest appearing for the third time, um, as the the director, yep. uh, which is is lovely, um, as well as having uh, Nigel Neal in writing duties, been a third um, credit. We also have Fred Johnson. Hang on, <laughs> who's Fred Johnson? Come on, Fred
1: Johnson, who's Fred Johnson? Um, Yeti, uh, uncredited, it says here.
2: Uncredited, yeah. So Fred Johnson, obviously we all know Fred Johnson <laughs> wonderfully, and um, one of the, those famous faces. So what um, was he in? What the hell was he in? He was in Curse of Frankenstein and Quirtimus. Okay, so one of those stock
1: cast members that must get picked up for most. Oh, this could be another um victor harrington our uh, uh, tale here you know ex- ex- exactly yeah. you might find out
2: because you know, they're, they're in, in the background as it were so we're you know we're doing doing well with that i mean we've also got uh, michael carreras as a producer yeah and um, he did quitter mass 2 and curse of frankenstein So mm. that that's useful and uh, we've also actually uh, i forgot to mention that um there's a guy called john ray um, who's making um, his second appearance? Because he was in 2. too. Oh, right. So, okay. Um, so, so we're well some of these. Yeah. Some of these been um, been you know almost stock cast that are just been dragged back in because they happen to already be. Um, <laughs> in a nearby film set, and they're just going, oh, come next door and just say a couple of lines. Um, I'll go stand there. <laughs> put, put this suit on. As far as you know, the Hammer appearances, that's what we're on with, okay. which is nice, because, you know, to some extent, having the, the Hammer players, as it were, you would hope they were getting some sense of, of togetherness and seeing that they're all part of an ongoing thing. Although I um, understand that um Nigel Neal and and Val Guest worked together a few times, but apparently they only met once or twice. But maybe uh, from what I've heard of some things to do with Nigel Neal, maybe Bench. not for the best, <laughs> unless you meet him. Uh, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's,
0: very, he's very aggy, is,
2: is yeah. Nigel Neal. Yes, yeah. You know
0: best. what? I also thought um, the old llama was, uh, would be a number two, but it wasn't. It. I thought the old professor that Frankenstein does in... Um, in Curse of Frankenstein was the same actor but he's not oh, it just right. looked like
2: him uh, yeah but yeah yeah sadly okay. no he didn't make a, a, another appearance but as you've already pointed out there's some familiar faces and um, that are broader within the wonderful British cinema that we, we're covering of course. so you know as far as the, the the regular village hall of fame hang on a second um, if
1: you grab your keys my friend we'll take a walk up the path
2: we'll that, yeah
1: And it's a very crowded village hall of fame at the moment, Stephen. Are we going to squeeze anybody else in there
2: today? Well, I think we'll we'll have to you know, start stringing them up from the rafters at some point. But <laughs> we'll we'll be selective about who we choose for that. So there's a, a guy called Michael Brill, yeah. who uh, again doesn't have a, a speaking part. I think he's actually wearing one of the. Uh, the Yeti suits or or something like that. He was previously uh, in The Man Who Never Was, which is probably quite apt because he he probably wasn't playing a man
0: uh, (laughs) in in this.
2: So so yes, that's useful to, I mean, looking at his career, I'm sure he'll he'll pop up again in some capacity because he did various bits and pieces. As previously mentioned, we've got Robert Brown, Making a third appearance, he was again in The Man Who Never Was and in Third Man. So all the films that he's been in so far involve the word "man." Yeah. yeah, and
1: if you think about it, he might even have been in The James Bond like The Man with the Golden Gun
2: or something. No, he wouldn't have been the minister that early, would he? he was
1: no, no,
2: maybe not. But who knows? You now we'll see how many more man films he can be in and, and <laughs> have, have a show up there going on with him. There's a fellow called Joe Powell who was in *Guns of Navarro and *Night to Remember*. Always has to be a *Night to Remember* in there, doesn't there. In there, Um yeah. And I believe in in partly playing you know parts and also partly doing stunts and things. So, you know, he, he's, he's in a in mixed capacity there. Mm-hmm. Previously mentioned uh, John Ray being in Quatermass too. He was also in the 39 Steps that we watched. So that's... Um,
1: oh, that's going back a
2: few years then. Exactly, yeah. Because that was was like yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So they're, all three of those are, are making their debuts in the Hall of Fame as far as their third appearances, which is lovely. They get, they, they get a seat yeah. um, in there. That's
1: surprising. Um, like you said, a very, very sparse cast. Um, and yeah. we've got like four or five inductees this week. That's brilliant.
2: There are three people making their um, fourth appearances. Okay. <laughs> uh, Anthony Chin. Excellent. Obviously. Yep. He was Dr. Noah Goldfinger, man of the moment, um, which is a bit of variety. There. That's a uh,
1: wisdom, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chinese assassin again. You know, that's Ex- it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we spoke about Fred Johnson being in Curse of Frankenstein and Quatermass, but he was also in Scrooge.
1: What, the Alistair Sim. Mm. Oh, wow, okay.
2: Was yeah. okay. <laughs> he? Oh, yeah, he's
0: got. Uh, if he, I think the guy, I think, oh, I think uh, is, he's got that like, Victorian
2: looking face. There you yeah. go, there you go. Okay. Victorian face. <laughs> I've never heard somebody described as having a Victorian <laughs> face before, well, but I'm going to start using that. You well, know, you can have a Roman nose, can't you? So you must be able to have a Victorian face. <laughs> 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 and so we, and um, fourth appearance uh, as well for, for Nigel Neil because previous two. Um, doing The Hammer, we also did Look Back in Anger, which um, oh. is, is is Nigel Neal was involved in, in writing with that. Fifth appearances, we do have a couple of people doing that. If I mentioned uh, Michael Carreras uh, as producer, obviously, yeah. because he did the Mass, 2, Curse of Frankenstein. Also did Cash on Demand. Peter Cushing, yes. Yeah, again. And then we have Richard Wattis. Oh, excellent. This is five for him, is it? This is five appearances, yes. So, Bunny Lake, Doctor in the House, Lavender Hill Mob, and The Man Who Never Was.
1: There's a few cropping up in The Man Who Never Was. Exactly. I'm trying to work yeah. out what
2: the connection, because that was Basil Dearden directed. No. Mm. So, oh, hang on a second. I don't I'm know. I don't the know, Man know why were, oh, Sorry. Richard opinion. Wattis the... wasn't in The Rebel, Rebel was it? He? he wasn't, was he? Sorry, oh, I've no. been watching
0: Tony no. Hancock lately, so oh. <laughs> Richard Wattis and Tony Hancock are
2: just... Yeah, OK. Sadly not, No. Yeah. Um, maybe they just had a minibus at the same time and they <laughs> ran, ran people down from the man who never was uh, to uh, to this. Um, yeah. I'm getting the man who never was mixed up with the man who haunted himself. Um oh, right, yeah. yeah. Man who never was was the wartime one, wasn't it? The uh, the body, wasn't it? That's the, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. And finally, we do have somebody making their sixth appearance. You'll probably guess who it is. Well, oh, you
1: haven't mentioned Mister Cushing yet,
2: have you? Cushing. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Cash on Demand, Curse of Frankenstein, Doctor Who, um, Lolita and Violent Pairground. Well, again, a, a complete variety there. Yeah. Yeah, so sick, he, really, he was excellent in all of those, absolutely. Um, although he did, he's excellent, he didn't, do now, he, he really, didn't right? really do a lot in Lolita, to be fair. It was, was probably he was, a good he thing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll maybe choose my, my phrasing a bit better on that. <laughs> We've got those, as I say, on top of the um, the fact that you know, obviously Val Guest and Carreras and yeah. all those, you know, Val Guest did get in for, for the. Hall of Fame because of of previously making it just on Hammer films alone so there are some of these that will as we say crop up more frequently later on um, in the Hammer films Um, and there are also some of them that obviously will um, appear in the the wider British film that we're watching thankfully because they are the stalwarts really as we've said previously.
1: Yep. Okay, thanks for that. As always, mate, it's, it's a great deal of effort goes into compiling that. I know you've got this four thousand page spreadsheet, or whatever it <laughs> is, at the moment. You know, just spreading over the entire computer, um, and, and just keeping track of that on a week in, week out basis is really appreciated. Thank you. Really didn't realise what. You know, this was going to develop into. We've, we've created our own monster
2: here. Basically. Yes, exactly. This is this is our our Frankenstein monster that we created.
1: Here. Okay. In conclusion, I'm getting the feeling from both of you
0: that you sort of enjoyed this. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. It was quite a bit shallower than, you know, the quantum mass stuff. We had way more to talk about in those, yeah. didn't we? Uh, and even the X, the Unknown, and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, it was, to me, it felt like a sort of boy's own adventure. I would think that uh, younger, few, you know, teens, mm. maybe maybe not now, but closer back in the day, this would have been more like a 70s, 80s kind of kid-like, uh, some, a gateway into horror in the movie.
1: Yeah, I yeah. only got an A certificate this one when it was released. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And it was released surprised. as a double bill, with, believe it or not, um, a Mamie Van Doren picture. That is weird. Again, <laughs> I, th- I think on the last one they had a weird double billing, didn't they? I can't remember what it was, but yeah, Mamie Van Doren double bill. Well, on a double bill with Mamie Van Doren. We had our own double bill,
0: Well, uh, Himalayas, maybe Andorra. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what the connection is
1: at all? <laughs> Stephen, you quite enjoyed this, mate. I'll take it. First
2: time watch for you. Yeah, it was It was a surprise because I, I didn't completely know what to expect. I did it, you know, partially expect it to be maybe just a uh, direct horror. Um, also, part of me expected it to be just uh, a bit more of a drama and not, have, have so much in it that it did and I think it balanced out the parts like what you've just said where we've got the the adventure element to it but I do think there's a, a there is some more commentary on human beings being destructive and and stuff and how we can aim for better and all these kind of ideals that you might get as a, as a Star Trek episode I think it's done with the right balance in all of it um, just as there's a balance in the characters, I think there's a balance in the way that the story is told. It's got subtlety, and I think that the sadness of it is. I think the first time watch you might, uh, particularly, in a younger set of eyes, might miss some of the subtleties of those things, and and you know only pick up on um, one element of it. Otherwise, I think it's done quite well. I mean that we can pass over the slight uncomfortableness of the way that they they portray foreigners in a bit of a stereotypical way because of the era Um i think it was actually quite progressive um that they weren't even even more down on 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 the natives um than they were there was you know, showing an attitude um which was one that was i think current in some ways amongst certain arrogant people i mean peter cushion's character was i think very clearly sensitive Towards the locals, and it was the you know it showed a contrast with the brashness of the American coming in. who was a brasher brash character in a way, so I think there's a lot of balance in there, and there's a lot of subtlety. And I think you know uh, Nigel now, for all you know, his faults with as far as him maybe being a bit more difficult as a person one to one, it shows that he, he has other strings to his bow um, than Quatermass. Um, as we've seen previously with other things as well, like Look Back in Anger. So um, I think this is overlooked. It may not be the best. Uh, in fact, it's definitely not the best Hammer horror, um, but it certainly I think deserves more recognition than, than it's actually got because there's more to it than than it just being a a, a snow adventure. Yeah, um, I, th- I would say. Um and the performances, I do like the performances, and you know, even from the people playing the bit parts as the the locals and some of these some of these Chinese waiters, you know, I can't fault any of them. They (laughs) they did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) They did a good good job, yeah. I don't know what to make of the fact that there was only one female in the entire cast, but yeah, yeah. again, again, like Chris from the
0: Black Again, right? That's true. uh, One one thing I will say about it is um Uh, Nigel Neal is probably the closest uh, we have in Britain to what was Rod Serling in the US, right? Great, uh,
3: yeah.
0: And in many respects, this feels like an overlong Twilight Zone episode. It does. In some ways. It, it, it feels so,
1: very TV based. You can see the, the yeah. origins here. And, and the fact that it is the same running time as the original TV version is quite surprising because normally something like this, you said, would be like a 30 minute. TV episode then expanded yeah. for the big screen but it's it's exactly the same pretty much script has been adapted with the same running time
0: yeah know. it's a shame I don't think they ever recorded the TV one and so there's, it's not even lost it was just never recorded because just back snaps. in those days yeah. they just they treated them more like plays yeah. You know, one-off performances than something to archive, which is you know why we haven't got a lot of this old stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, Nigel Neal. I mean, he's a little more cerebral for Rod Serling, but there, there, there was a convergence there, wasn't there? Of was like intelligent sci-fi, uh, or you know, um, uh, not sci-fi, but um, just bordering on the unusual,
1: as we, as we said earlier, for something that we're classing as a Hammer horror this isn't played for scares, really, this movie, at all. There's there's the, the creepy hand as it comes under the tent.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think some of it was was eerie, though. Yeah. You know, it was a bit odd and, and uh, suspenseful, but horror, nah. Exactly,
1: but we're we going to include it as a hammer horror, quite rightly, I think, in this case.
2: Absolutely, I think you, you, it's suspense more than direct horror. The, the conclusion, the denouement that you have when... Not to spoil but come face to face with the creature the monsters does give a different perspective on on what you you've actually seen in a way so I, absolutely i mean you know for all um as i said before that there's the criticisms uh, of nigel Neal with regards to uh, his um interpersonal skills <laughs> um his, his writing skills are, uh, are absolutely unquestionable is you know just not just the general over arc of a, of a story but also the, the details in there and I think obviously this transferring over from television having such a lengthy television episode with this on it's important you know that that would have been a lot of dialogue, as you say, it's been a play, so it would have been that would have relied upon dialogue because they wouldn't have had the budget to do a, you know, lots of special effects or, or lots of scenery and everything. You know, that there would have been people climbing over polystyrene probably. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: I will say it, it doesn't didn't feel like a play put onto a film, did it? No, it did feel like a
2: film. Yeah. It did. Oh, it certainly no, did. you're right. You're right, there, Mac. To, to point that out absolutely that mm. it isn't something that feels budgety in that sense that you know they they have the filming yeah. on location exactly. even though it's not not the himalayas itself but yeah. the filming on location does help that it doesn't feel um like it's just been transposed without there being any additional quality put in and, and uplift and, and expansion in that way you, you're absolutely right to point that out yeah the
1: hemavision the widescreen helps as well because it gives it that big screen. Hammerscope Hammerscope right (laughs) Hammerscope bloody hell time. whatever we call it I don't know (laughs)
2: oh oh, oh, we've missed an opportunity there we we, we can't touch
1: this can we there we go (laughs) right Uh... (laughs) let's take a break we're going to reveal what we're going to be watching next time we're together Okay, guys, next time we meet, which will be in five episodes time, this is it now. We've had the little blip. We've we've let the Abominable Snowman make his mark in this little run of gothic horrors. Coming up, it's a biggie. It's Terence Fisher again. It's Jimmy Sangster again. It's Peter Cushion, it's Christopher Lee. There's Michael Goff in this one. We haven't got as far as I can remember Michael Ripper. Um, but the bingo cards are going to be bristling with excitement next time because we've got Spooky Coachman, I think we've got Thunder and Lightning, we've got Bats on Strings, we've got the lot in this one. Looking forward to this one, probably the most out of the ones we've done so far. It's 1958, it's Dracula. How are you guys feeling about this one?
0: I'm looking forward to the plunging cleavage
2: yeah Yeah, but putting putting Scott's webcam out of the picture um, this is very much the stereo you know getting into the stereotypical start of of what Hammer is perceived to be by a lot of people and we know that there is more to Hammer and Hammer horror even than this but uh, this is very much when the, the the gothic horror does kick in to build on what Curse of Frankenstein was, and and give you know, the full-blown Hammer horror, and it's going to be, uh, it is going to be bristling with all the tropes that we expect.
0: Yeah, and I have to say, this is for me. I know it's a horror and it's a Hammer. But for me, is the the movie where the best overcoat ever is worn by Peter Cushing, <laughs> uh, Cushing. Uh but you'll see what I'm talking about when we get to it. Okay. So. Do you, Do you have
2: a list of top ten? Best overcoats well, in films. Can we start? Uh, I'd be interested in hearing yeah, that. All right. I, I
0: next can, time.
1: I can. feel us starting the wardrobe of fame next time
2: yeah. now or something. The great <laughs> appearance. I, I do I love a, do. I
0: do love a nice hat as well. Uh, <laughs> I,
2: can, I can. I can hear a, a spookier version of the um, top of the prop rundown of yeah. the top ten.
1: Top ten overcoats of all time yeah. in British
2: movies. <laughs>
0: not good friday uh okay i'll stop there <laughs> no, <that's>... <laughs> <laughs> get carter no no i'll stop
1: there yeah <laughs> dracula next time it's been an absolute pleasure having both of you on board again this saturday morning thanks for thanks for that guys oh thank okay. you uh, we'll call it a day there see you soon take care
0: bye bye take care
3: positive shot.
0: Good morning. Goodbye.
2: Good luck. Thank you.
1: Up, sir. I'm
3: sick of pain.